Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to an Off The Beaten Track podcast special. Um... Yeah, I got to sit down with Jags Cooner again, and Jags was uh, a, a previous guest, and we, I got some incredible feedback when Jags first guested, and uh, he's he's such a such a wonderful person to hang out with, and he was coming in to do some some bits and bobs uh, with with some people that I work with, and I was like, Jags, can I grab an hour and can we can we chat? Can we talk about gigs? And uh, and so he's like, yeah, absolutely. So um, I was blessed to sit down with Jags and do an Off The Beaten Track live special. So over the next hour, you're going to hear Jags talking about all the gigs that have been so important in his in his life, not just his creative journey, I guess, in his life. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, um, I'll shut up and let's get on with it. So please enjoy Off The Beaten Track live special with Mr. Jags Cooner. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. 
BEAT15, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, welcome uh, everybody. And sitting opposite me today is uh, my guest and my friend. It's Jack Schooner. Stu, how are you doing? Good, good. When have we... How long's it been? The last time I see you was when you came to book club to DJ. Oh, when I came to DJ, yeah, which was a great night. Yes, I loved it. Yeah, it's great fun. I don't DJ very often nowadays. No. Um, Did I see that you've just announced you're doing a DJ? Set I am. Soon? I'm actually playing at the after show party uh, in Manchester at three three Oldham Street. Um, and uh, it's the after show for a band called Hello Cosmos that I've done a remix for. Um, I've done a remix of a track called Run for President. Mm-hmm. And I've made it very Suicide, nice. Martin, Rev, um, yeah. Vega sounding. Um, and I'm just going up to DJ on, uh, yeah. for the after show on that. Because um, it's, um, it's uh, my, my friend Ben, who's in the band, but he also runs uh, Blue Dot Festival. Oh, Okay. And so um, I'm just going up there to do that for him, and it'd, yeah. it'd be nice to see him, and um, be nice to be back in Manchester. Yeah, it's weird you mentioned suicide because I was um, talking about uh, when I was talking to to John Kennedy on a previous episode yeah. uh, of live gigs, and, and we was talking about that, that sort of New York scene, and uh, and and I said that one of the most abrasive gigs I, I ever witnessed was I went to see Grinder Man. And uh, which was sinister as hell. Yeah. But as I walked in, there was just this kind of elderly guy in a silver puffer jacket and just the most intense, unlistenable, I will say, techno. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And it did take me about 10 minutes before I realised I was watching Suicide. And I was like, oh my God. Obviously, I'm, I'm a fan of Suicide's work. Yeah. But for live, it's. Yeah. But this was obviously. Probably some of the the last stuff that that that, that he done. Yeah. And yeah, it, it wasn't for me that it was. It was, it was too much. It was just. It was fucking racket. <laughs> it well, really we, was. The early stuff's incredible, well, of course. We, weirdly enough, weirdly enough, I I actually did a tune with Alan Vega. You're not, not going to tell suicide. me you produced the track. I've just been. No, 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 no. It wasn't a suicide. It was a. It was a. It was a track that Arthur Baker did called Angel of Hell. Uh, I'll have to send it to you because, uh, weirdly enough, somebody mentioned it to me the other day. Said, "Oh, I heard this tune you made called Angel of Hell with yeah. um, Alan Vega and yeah. Arthur Baker." I mean, that's that's quite a combo, isn't it? It's a bit of a lineup, isn't it? Yeah, that? it was great, and I think DJ Hell put it out on his label as well. But um, so, I, yeah, I, I'm. I mean, just Alan Vega. I mean, I've met him as well. And I, he was actually one of the loveliest really? p- people I've ever met in my life. Um, I went to one of their gigs. They played at the ICA years ago, uh, and it was a great gig. Um, but um, it's a really weird one with Suicide, because Suicide got this reputation, and they got this reputation when they supported The Clash in the 70s, in the late 70s, early 80s, and they... Um, 
got this reputation where when suicide was on stage, you threw stuff at them. So people were throwing bottles at them. People were throwing... It was just, it's quite sad, really. It's just because people think that's what you need to do. Mm. Um, there was people just throwing stuff at the band. And I think in the early days, in the, you know, when it was the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, you know, pe- people throwing stuff at you, you know, it was just like, right, I'm going to be even more aggressive mm. and angry and give as much back yeah. as you're giving me kind of thing. Um, but I, f- I found it quite sad because it's like Alan Vega by that point was, you know, he was in his 50s mm. or maybe even 60s and it's just, yeah. you can't be throwing stuff at yeah. people on stage. I just don't like that anyway. But I'm not down with that. But even, even after the gig, he stood out front shaking everybody's hand oh, really? as they were leaving, going, oh, thank you for coming, I really appreciate it, you know, and just being real genuinely nice to yeah. everybody about it. And then I met him in the dressing room afterwards and... Just, he's a hero of mine anyway. And this was just after I did that Angel of Hell tune with Arthur Baker. And before I could even say, oh, you're one of my heroes, he's like, oh, my God, you're Jack Schooner. I love what you did. I'm so blown away. Thank you so much. And I couldn't even get a word in because he was just, you know, gushing compliments at me, which is just really surreal. And who says, don't make your heroes? You're Alan Vega. And I'm I'm just the nobody producer kind of thing, you know. And you've changed the course of, history with yeah. your music and stuff and so it was really yeah it was great so um yeah they're just you know what a band amazing well you're here today to talk about uh, five of your favorite gigs you've already told me you got six um so uh, you're gonna get your honorable mention in great um, thank you are they in any order jags or are they just five of your five or six of your faves um they're not really in any order That's of fine. as in order of the best gig. Sure. They're not in any order of year. Yeah. Um, or anything like that. It's just what came to mind. And this is the thing. You know, last time we met up to do yeah. something. Off the beating track, yeah. Yeah, off the beating track. We 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 had to choose my you know, certain songs yeah. that, which it's this is a bit like that. It's like today, these are my five. Of course, gigs. tomorrow. And totally tomorrow different. it's like, oh I remember that one now. Oh god, that Absolutely. was so good. So yeah. so today these are my five gigs with my one honourable mention. What are you kicking off with? Well, the one I'm going to kick off with is um, Iggy and the Stooges uh, performing Funhouse at Hammersmith Odeon in 2005. Nice. So basically what it was, was they... It was part of this... I can't remember what it's called, but it was basically they got bands and acts to go on and do an entire album, start to finish. Um, and that night... Um, Iggy uh, and the Stooges performed Funhouse from start to finish. Um, it was... So basically, you know, I've got to set the scene. Set the scene. I was in the studio, in my studio in, in um, uh, Candlelock Studios in, in Labrick Grove, Notting Hill, and I didn't have a ticket. And... Andrew Innes from Primal Screen was like, oh, do you want to go see the Stooges? And I was like, of course I want to go see the Stooges. He said, I haven't got a ticket. I was like, uh, I, I, I was like, okay, well, what, what do we do? Do we phone somebody? He said, no, we're just going to go down there and just get them off touts. And I was like, and, and I've, I've never bought a ticket off a tout before. Yeah. Um, you know, I've either bought a ticket or been on guest list or yeah. been with the band. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, yeah. Just sorry, it's sounding flash, but so... We got there, um, we picked up two tickets, me and Andrew, you know, they were, you know, they cost 120 quid. 
So I was a bit like going from like never actually really buying a ticket yeah. and always being suddenly you'd have to pay hundred and twenty pounds yeah. for a ticket was like ouch. So I was yeah. like, you know, uh, I love Iggy, but it's like that's a lot of money to pay out. So anyway, we got in there and we saw loads of friends, Brendan Lynch, who produced yep. Paul Weller and Primal Scream and done an ocean colour scene, a whole load of stuff. He was there and a few other people. So we're all just in there and everyone's just like nattering away. And there's no real music going on. There's nothing happening, you know. There's no, like, DJ beforehand. There's no warm-up or there's nothing. You know. And then it's just like we're nattering away and then we just hear a... And it's like they've gone straight into Down on the Street. And I was like, whoa. And it's just like such a blitz moment of, like, bang, this pure energy come on stage. Yeah. And it was... It's just... Amazing, because you know that everybody has this thing of like, let's build this up to the occasion, yeah. to the moment, and it's like, let's have a warm up band, then let's have a the DJ play your intro song, yeah. let's get that ready, and then all lights will dim, and then yeah. on come the stage, and it's this big, you know, theatrical moment for when the band. It was none of that. It's just like everyone's nattering, and then you just hear this. Bang into the song, and it was just like whoa! And you got to literally turn around from talking to everyone, and they're there in front of you. And it was the original lineup, sort of thing. You know, it wasn't James Williamson, it was you know, Ron and Scott Ashton mm-hmm. and Iggy, and um, is it Stuart McKay or Stephen McKay who's their sax yeah. player? Um, and that was it, and it was just the energy. Oh my god, the power of the sound! Yeah, uh, you know it's it's pretty much a three piece, yeah. you, know, you know, sort of thing. But you know, there's a bass player as well, and then the sax player. But it was just you know frightening. So they did the whole fun house. You know, they run through everything, and uh, you know, just Iggy, what a performer! Yeah, you know, you are looking at one of the icons. Yeah, and do you know what, Jags? I, I saw. Did you see the um, the footage from maybe a couple of years ago when he he played Jules Holland with um, Josh Homme and I went I went to the I went to the I went to the Royal Albert Hall to see that ah yeah because Josh is actually weirdly enough I've never met him but he's big fans with the Scream yeah big uh, friends with the Scream and for those that don't know you, you you've been very much involved with Primal Scream over I've the years been involved, haven't you yeah so ever since I didn't do Scream with Delica but after that I've been quite heavily involved with them because I worked with Andy Weatherall after he did Scream with Delica mm. so I did a lot of remixes with Andy Weatherall and then we um actually sort of uh, went on tour with The Scream, which is when I was in a band called Saves of Paradise, which was Andy Weatherall, me, Gary Burns, and we had, well, actually, this is a great lineup. our band, Saves mm. of Paradise, because Just our, 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 one of our guitarists, the guitarist left Saves of Paradise, was asked to join Oasis and turned them down, moved to New York and joined LCD Sound System. That's a CV. <laughs> That's not bad, is it? And then our drummer, Richard Thayer, um, was also in another band, The Aloof, which was one of my other bands, yep. and then left that to form Red Snapper. Yep. Um, and, and it was just... It was great, you know. Yeah. So basically, we so I've been friends with the Scream ever since then. In in uh, when when we did that tour with them, um, and 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 just you know they're just like 
I've worked with them ever since. I mean, I'm going to mention them again later on in cool. one of the songs. But, cool. but, but getting back to the Stooges sort of thing. So with, with the Stooges, you know, that gig was just incredible. But what they did was they did Funhouse. But the thing with Funhouse is only 35 minutes long, the album. Yeah. I think it's like seven, eight songs, yeah. the whole album. I think it's four on one side and three tracks on I the beat. Right. Yeah. So they went off stage and then they came back on to do the encore. And, you know, Iggy was just like, you know, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And then they just went in and then they did the whole of the first album. So they did wow. I Want to Be Your Dog, 1969. And, <sighs> and it was just incredible. Um, so... He never shows any signs of slowing down either, does he? Oh, listen, he was on stage. He was had his top off. Of course he did. <laughs> uh, at points, he was putting his hand down his yeah. pants and yeah. just opened his flies. And, I mean, if you did that at another... If, an, if another person did that at a gig, all the girls would just be like, ah, scared yeah. and running away. Yeah. But because it's Iggy, all the girls like, woo, it's Iggy, <laughs> go on, get your kit off. <laughs> How many men of his age do people want to see rip their shirt off? There can't be many left. Yeah. But Iggy, you expect it, right? Well, you, you, he does it all yeah. the time. And even when I saw him at um, at Royal Albert Hall with Josh and everybody, mm. um, he was amazing. And just finishing that point off with Josh, Josh is actually like a big fan of The Scream. And what I was going to say about that was the fact that Miss Lucifer and Swastika Eyes are two songs that he reveres so highly that it's actually... He actually played one of them as his first song on XFM when he did the hijack on XFM. Oh, really? He played Miss Lucifer as his first song and just said, you know, this is the definition of electronic rock and roll and was just like really, you know, sort of singing its praises. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that... And when I went on, when I saw that, that was his last album, which was no, not the last one, but his well, post, yeah, post pop, de- I believe de- so, depression or whatever, yeah. or blues or whatever. I can't remember what it's called. So, um, but it was brilliant. That was amazing. And then that was and then Matt Elders, from, Elders was, yeah, yeah Matt Elders from Arctic Monkeys was the drummer on that. And oh, that was amazing at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, and then he imagine. also, and this was literally only, only, you know, I think it was about half a year after Bowie passed away as well. And he did, you know, did China Girl as well. And that was quite an emotional, moving yeah, thing as well. So, so, so yeah, so that was that. That's my first gig. Okay. That, my first on my list of gigs. That's a good entry point. Yeah. Uh, that Straight sets in the bar Iggy. quite high, yeah. though, doesn't it? <laughs> well, what are you going for next, then? Um, so the next one on the list um, is Craftwork. Oh, nice. So, and it's Craftwork at the Turbine Hall in Tate Modern. Um I think that was in 2013, and they did a, it was called The Catalogue, they did a whole succession of gigs in the Turbine Hall, and, and it was called The Catalogue, and it was every night they did a different album, yeah. and the night I went was Man Machine, so uh, now, Craftwork, I mean, you know, if we're going to talk about inspiration, and we're going to talk about icons, and people who... Yeah. They are in the top three, four. They've got to be. I mean, I, they. Invented. I think if you're a fan of electronic music, uh, they've got to be in the top two, three. Definitely, they? yeah. Definitely. So, um, you know, I and I've been a fan mm. of them forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, they invented everything. Really. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> we want to. Yeah. You know, they started it all from the electronics 
point of view for me, really. You know, everybody, you know, whether you... You know, the thing is, I didn't know about craft work when I first started. You know, I'm in the early, you know, mid mid 80s. I mean, I did know about craft work because I, you know, kind of know about the songs, but I wasn't really following them intently. But it was only when I heard Planet Rock. Yeah. Uh, the Soul Bambara, Sonic Force yeah. and Bambara and the Soul Sonic Force and I was like oh you know that's an amazing piece of music and then it, it's you know then it was like somebody pointed me in the direction of Trans Europe Express yeah. and it was like oh yeah okay yeah. and then it was like right let's go through their entire back catalogue yeah. and go through it and I, so I think you know I kind of got into Kraftwerk sort of early 80s probably yeah. after Planet Rock came out <laughs> L- likewise I, I think mine was Breakdance the movie come out that's one of the points where because Tour de France. France was in there. Yeah, yeah. He's doing his little dance with the broom outside, and it was, <laughs> and it was, it was just. I, I remember thinking, "What's this song?" Yeah, it's amazing. It is. And then I had a friend called Lee. I'll shout out Lee Antoni on this because he'll be absolutely thrilled to, uh, to, to for me to say that it was down to him. He had autobahn. Yeah. And, and I remember just going around his house and looking at the sleeve, which blew me away. Yeah. And then just this. I'd never had anything like it. Yeah. Never had anything like no, it. It's and unique. it wasn't and it wasn't, you know, all I'd ever heard at that point was three minute pop songs. Yeah, yeah. I'd not heard this huge, expansive piece of electronic symphony. I don't know what it you'd call it. It was a symphony. Yeah. It was a symphony. Yeah. I mean, it is a classical piece of music done yeah. with machines. Yeah. And um and I, I and I was the same. I saw Breakdance the movie and yeah. I heard that and I saw the to dance, I was yeah. like, "This is amazing." And I think I must have heard the model as well. Just you would have done because it would have it, 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 it made the chart. It went to number one, didn't it? I think it was one or two. It was definitely, yeah, definitely yeah. So a top ten here. So, 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 so getting back to the gig. So the gig was in the Turbine Hall at Tate Modern, which is an amazing building anyway, and I love that place. Um, and the night I went was the Man Machine night, and and it and it was um, you go in, you know, you 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 hand in your ticket. And they give you a set of 3D glasses. Wow. So you've got these 3D glasses and you walk into the... You're turn- already thinking this is going to be special then. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. your first straight away is like, 3D glasses, okay, let's see what's going on here then. And then we walked into the turbine hall and the stage is set. Everybody's there. Sound kicks in and craft work have got this sound system in there which is like a 3D surround sound binaural all encompassing yeah. and then they say to you sort of lay, you know you know ladies and gentlemen would you put your glasses on please and Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So you put your glasses on and then they come on stage and they start projecting all these 3D visuals and... These visuals are just jumping out of the screen at you. It's absolutely incredible, you know. Uh, Senses overload. Complete sensory overload, you know, because the visuals were done in 3D, uh, and because you've got the glasses on, there's bits literally just jumping out at you. And the weird thing was I was watching it, and, and, you know, and there's things like sort of, flying across and there's people sort of moving like that yeah. as if to avoid these things and there's other people trying to put their yeah. hands up to try and sort of grab something that isn't there and sure. and the, and I also <laughs> I should have taken a picture of it but I also thought you know what I'm going to turn around and look because we were quite near the front and so I turned around and look and it's such a surreal view like you turn around everybody's wearing these 3D yeah. glasses with one uh, green lens in there or one red one in yeah. there you know and um it just looked surreal, but it was a magical night. So they do Man Machine start to finish. And then for the encore, they come on and they do everything, you know, all the, all the hits. Yeah. They come back, they do the model, they, they do Tour de France. Oh, you know, they do, you know, it's just incredible, yeah. you know. Um, so that, you know, and the sound in, in that place. I mean, I've never seen a gig in the Turbine Hall before, yeah. you know. And the sound in there was great that yeah. night as well. It worked so well. And... Um, then there was an after party. Weirdly enough, I went there with my, my friend uh, Richard Clouston and Chris and Cozy from um, Throbbing Gristle. So yeah. Chris and Cozy came with us, and and then we went to the after show, which was in the engine room, which is basically the bit where they used to store all the oil. And Trevor Jackson, I think, was DJing and a few other people, but. It's just one of those nights where it's just like reinforces your belief in music, and it was yeah. just for me as well because it's you know, you know, it didn't have the it, it's a different energy from the Stooges gig yeah. because this is more electronic. This is it was a sensory overload, sure. whereas with the Stooges, it's just it's a noise attack. It's raw power. Isn't it's it? Yeah. it is raw power. Yeah. You're right. It is raw power. So 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 that was actually uh, uh, you know and, and and you know like I was saying to you earlier you know you know today these are my top five gigs. Yeah. Tomorrow it could be something different, but I know if I was to do this tomorrow, five years time, that craftwork gig will still stay in the top five. It sounds like a pure experience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was my second one. What's your third? Okay, so my third one is actually kind of a bit biased. Um, my, my third gig is actually Primal Scream doing Scream of Delica at, uh, at the Olympia Grand Hall in 2010, in November. Yeah. Um, was that one of the first of the, the, the Scream of Delica shows? That was the first one. That was the first one. That was it. Yeah. That was it. So... Um, 
I mean, it's a it's a weird one. Like I said, you know, I've I've worked with Scream off and on over the years since '90s something. Um, so for Screamadelica, uh, I mean, I want to give you the sort of like build up to it as well. The the, the build up to it was the fact that you know Innis Andrew Innis from Primal's moment went right, going to do Screamadelica start to finish live for the first time ever. I went brilliant. He went, it is. Apart from one thing, I said, what's that? He said, all the files and everything is like 20 years old. All the technology that we recorded everything on, everything that was put down is no, it's obsolete. It mm. doesn't work. So he had to literally rebuild all the songs for live. Um, That's a lot of work, isn't it? Frightening amount of work. And so he's like... Can you help me? And I was like, <laughs> I said, you know, the thing is, I didn't work on Scream Delica, um, but I did work with Andrew Weatherall just after he finished Scream Delica, so I know where the sounds came from yeah. because we were using those sounds on remixes, yeah. on other productions. So I was like, yeah, I said, uh, and then he, he, you know, he's working on some of them and he's he's putting some of the songs together and then. Um, couldn't get the timbali sound right, which was a classic Weatherall sound in them days, and I, and I knew where that came from. So, so I pointed him in the direction of that, and then he's working on Come Together, and he couldn't find the sirens, couldn't find a few of the sounds on there. And I said, well, I've got those records that they were on, because we used to use them on other remixes. Yeah. And he's like, okay. So I had to go through my record collection, and my record collection is literally, you know, two walls, like, you know, they're, two, you know, 15 feet by yeah. 10 feet tall and I had to go through like seven, 8,000 records yeah. to try and find these one little two, sound that, that one <laughs> little sound the whale noise and the, the siren yeah. come together and I found them well I found all of them except one sound so I you know, found them I transferred them and sent them to Andrew and he was very happy and then we, had, we were missing one sound which is the whale noise from uh, come together and 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 he said, well, and I said, well, look, I don't know what that is. So he had to phone Hugo Nicholson, who worked on Scream of Delica. And Hugo said to him that it's actually the, the sound of that whale is actually a sound of the Looney Tunes Orchestra played backwards. Now, I don't know if you know the Looney Tunes Orchestra. But not familiar with their work. Right, okay, Looney Tunes Orchestra. We're we talking about the cartoon. Exactly. Yeah. So the cartoons, everybody watch the cartoons, but listen to the music. The music is insane. It's the most psychedelic out there. With, you know, like the whole, the ruler being pushed against yeah, the yeah, table. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that kind of stuff. They invented all that. Yeah. They made all that sort of, all yeah. that mad stuff. And it was played by an orchestra. And there is actually a box set CD of the entire anthology of the Looney Tunes orchestras, mad sounds, effects, every little yeah. boing, zip, whiz, yeah. big bang, fizz sound they ever made. It's all on a box set CD of like, I think it's about 10 CDs or something. Yeah. So, so Hugo said to Andrew, this is like, it's, it's on there, but I don't know where. So he had to listen to the entire Looney Tunes orchestra box set CD played backwards to find this sound. Fuck me. <laughs> that thing, must be like torture. So, so, so he listened to the entire thing backwards to find this sound. And it, what noise was that? 
is that whale noise in come together, that meh, meh, meh. Ah, right, that it's noise. Yeah, yeah, it's quite yeah, a big yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. that's a very important sound to that uh, track, yeah, isn't so, it? Yeah, so, so we, we found the, the, the siren and we found all the all them sounds as well. We got all of them, but that was the only one missing. And so after we listened to the whole box set, played backwards, couldn't find it. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So in the end, we just had to create a whale sound yeah. doing that and getting it done. So anyway, a lot of work went into it. A lot ran, in, you know, to run, and then so to go there to, to see the Scream Medallica Knowing what went into it. What as went well. into it was like, you know, it was a lot of work and it was like so basically Primal Scream come on. Cause they're the support band. So before they do Scream and Delica, Primal Scream come on as their own support band and do the greatest hits. Yeah. So they do Swastika Eyes, they do Shoot Speed Kill Light, they do, you know, Rock, Vanishing Shell Point. Bird. Yeah. And then they walk off stage. And then come back on stage about half hour later to do Scream Delica, start to finish. And it was amazing. It was mind-blowing. And, and the weird thing was we were watching it and then it got to come together. And they're doing the epic version of Come Together. And just as Come Together's come on and they're doing it, I'm standing there. Just as I'm standing there at this, on the balcony bit, I see Annie Nightingale. Um, and so Annie's a DJ on Radio 1 and infamous living legend kind of thing so she's I'm like Annie so Annie's then come over to me and then just as I've seen Annie a friend of mine Wildcat Will who's a legendary artist and like used to be in a few bands with me I see him as well and then my friend Phil Mossman who used to be in Sabres of Paradise moved to New York and joined LCD Sound System I see him so it's literally come together was all of us lot coming together. That's beautiful. That was a magical moment. And and then I saw Andrew Innes' wife, and she's with us, and she starts crying because we're all together. And then it sets everybody else off. Everybody's like, oh, this is very emotional, but I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry because I'm a man, and I hold it together. and things like that. But, of course, it was quite overwhelming because all the work that went into it, seeing all these people I hadn't seen for ages, it was just a magical moment, and it was just absolutely beautiful and and I saw you know I hadn't seen Andrew for years as well so yeah. I saw Weatherall uh, later on in the dressing room as well and stuff so that is a real like moment for me that's a that's going to be in one of those gigs that's going to stay with me forever it, that can't not be in your list mate that's uh that's well that just sounds like almost a religious experience yeah mate. well I mean that's what music should be absolutely. it should be you know you know you go and you know, you take away from it, not just, oh, wow, that's a great gig. It's yeah. like, there's, you know, there's, 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 it's got to do something Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah, and that's, that, that is my, that's my third gig. 
What's your fourth? Fourth. Okay. Fourth is we're going back to 1996. Okay. And we're going to Brixton Academy for left field. Nice. Now, I don't know if you know this. You probably do this, but your listeners probably won't. But left field have got a reputation as being one of the loudest bands ever, one of the loudest gigs ever. Um, I saw them in 96. Right. So basically, left field in 1996... I think it was a turbo sound rig that they used to take with them. But their turbo sound rig, I think it was turbo sound, I hope I got it wrong, was measured at 146 dB, right? now. That's offensive. <laughs> it's not just offensive, it's dangerous. Yeah. Because uh, a jumbo jet taking off is 147 dB. For right? those that are listening that go to the Pink Toothbrush, uh, which I'll, 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 I will put this uh, out for you guys, um, that we, we cap our music at 100 dB. You have to now because it's the law. It's the law, yeah. yeah. If you go to 110 dB, 110 dB is, is considered uh, uh, t- a health and safety danger. If you go to 120 dB... Um, 120 dB can actually start having an impact on your body. 130 and above is dangerous because it ruptures your internal organs. Certain frequencies can not just like hurt your ears, they mm. can make you lose control of your bowels. Yeah. They can, you know, it's it's it can be quite they never went up to 146 dB, yeah. but it could do. So getting back to this gig uh, at Brixton Academy, so Leftfield. So the reason we were, I was at that gig is one of my old bands, the Aloof, was supporting Leftfield on that tour. So we played in Brixton. Uh, we 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 went on first. We didn't have the whole sound system. Literally, obviously, Leftfield are saving that because yeah. that's their piece of resistance. Of course, they go on, and the fucking sound system's cranked up. And then this white powder sort of flakes start falling from the ceiling. Fuck when, off! When they're when they're when they're when they're when they're when they're on, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if they've got some mad kind of like <laughs> stuff that they're. But it wasn't. It was the paint peeling off the ceiling. And then I'm like, uh, I wonder if that's dangerous. And then I saw Billy Nasty, DJ Billy Nasty. So I went over to Billy. Billy's like DJing as well. Uh, he was DJing before, he was DJing after him. So he's he played for, and uh, so I'm standing with Billy. I was like, oh, I said, Billy, do you mind if I come stand with you in this, like, covered bit? Because i got a feeling that the ceiling's going to collapse. And he's and honestly, the security were looking up going, uh, this this is this doesn't look right. And Leffy weren't stopping. And so I went and stood with Billy where it's, like, a little bit covered... And so it's really loud there as well. So me and Billy are kind of talking and listening and watching, and then all of a sudden, where me and Billy are standing right by his decks, I hear a thud, and this whole bit of plaster from where we were standing has just fallen on the turntables and mixer and just literally wiped out the decks and mixer. I mean, this big bit of plaster just fallen. Luckily, we were were in a bit where it's covered, and it weren't the main... The main arena, it it was fine. It didn't... You know, nothing collapsed apart from 
few flakes of paint peeling off mm. the ceilings. But where we were, it's just, you know, I thought I'd go standing because I thought, like, if the ceiling's going to collapse, then I'd better be... I'm safer with Billy because yeah. Billy's in a covered bit. But where he was, uh, you know, it was like the ceiling was like 10, you know, 15 feet above us. And this whole bit of plaster just went... <laughs> <laughs> just fell straight onto the deck, and it was like, and the security were having a nightmare because they were panicking. Is this? But is, they were. And the, is the building going to collapse? Kind yeah. of thing. And so um, that was like, that was frightening. Oh, do you know? What? I, I saw them. They, they, I'm not they come to South End. They come and play right. Kiss Pavilion. Were you on that show? Do you know? Weirdly enough. This is the weird thing. We, with the bands I was in, I rarely went on stage. Yeah. So a lot of the times, I was like, well, if you don't need me on stage, I don't really need to go to these gigs. So yeah. I would have stayed in... I went to Brighton. Yeah. But the Aloof would have played. I'm yeah. pretty certain they would have played. And I, and I remember that show, because um, Leftfield were... They were pretty damn huge at this point, weren't they? Massive. I mean, they were platinum selling. Yeah. They were massive. I mean, they did the tune with, you know, John Lydon, Open, open up. up. You know, Tony Halliday. Halliday. What a record original is. Uh, Ridge, I mean, even, you know, Leftism, that first yeah. album, that's, that is a classic yeah. album. Yeah. Why, where is Tony Halliday? Where is she? What is she doing? I want to know. Because yeah. uh, what a voice. And my God, she, uh, she was on a lot of posters on my wall when I was a young <laughs> lad. She was the most beautiful woman out there, Tony Halliday. Oh, my God. But that album was fantastic. And yeah. that, that, I mean, the Aloof toured with them. For that tour. And I mean, I did go to the Brighton gig. Yeah. And weirdly enough, uh, went to Brighton gig. And Richard Thayer, who's, who was our drummer, his, 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 his girlfriend at the time was pregnant. She came to the gig and she stayed for two songs from when Leftfield went on. Went, I don't think this is good for the baby. No. And, and left. Um, and then we stayed at the gig. And, uh, the weird <laughs> After the gig, everyone packed away and we left. And, you know, we got on the tour bus and we drove off. Leftfield left and... <laughs> We was driving up the A23, heading back to London, and suddenly realised we left our lead singer Ricky behind at the gig. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, "Where's Ricky? Oh no! Quick, turn the bus around!" <laughs> <laughs> and we had to turn the bus around. Got to got to the venue. I think not not the dome. I can't remember what it was. Got got there, and then he's like, he's sitting there on his own, kind of like, "You bastard! You left me." <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was a memorable big uh, 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 Brixton Academy left field. Fantastic reason. Venue still standing, mate. Venue still standing. So keep going to Brixton Academy because it's one of those iconic venues. Yeah. Fifth choice. Right. So my fifth choice is isn't even really a proper gig. It's okay. I'm interested now. Okay. So what it is is um, in 1988, I was in a band called Adrenaline Mod. And we made sort of the first ever Acid House records, which we talked about before in, right. when we, we did the Off and Beat Track you know, uh, podcast. And we were talking about when I bought my 303 for £25 yeah. when nobody else knew what they were. Um, so, and the reason I bought it was I was in a band called Adrenaline MOD and we used to make these Acid House tunes. And we were the first band to get signed by a major that made Acid House music. So anyway, we were going to have a launch party for our first single you know, and um, we for the launch party, the record company managed to get Derek May over from Detroit. So Derek came over with Kevin Saunderson. I mean, for those that may not know, that's electronic music royalty. There, that is, they it? are the godfathers yeah. of techno. P 
pretty much. Mm. You know, Kevin Saunderson, you know, Inner City, Derek May, Transmat, yeah. you know, just, you know, Strings of Life, Rhythm is Rhythm, you know, just... You Don't know, get any better. I just, that's, you know, yeah. that is the pinnacle. So they came over. So Derek, so we went, this was a, I can't even remember where it was, but it's in the West End somewhere. So the launch party's in the West End. Um, Derek's come over, Kevin Saunders has come over, and we're like, oh my God, Derek, May and Kevin Saunders. And we, even then we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. So Derek was like, look, um, I've got to do a bit of work here in, in this, you know, before the launch party. I mean, it's really weird. For the launch party, he was going to DJ. But he was going to DJ, and his, his rider, his spec was like, I need a reel-to-reel machine, I need my turntables, and I need a mixer, which has got EQs on it that I can adjust. And we was like, what? Yeah, I need a mixer that's got EQs that you can... So, and, and at that time, there weren't really mixers with EQs that you could, with a high, mid, low... Mm. You could have, like, a gain and a volume, and that's mm. it. And so... So they we had to get a DJ a sort of sort of studio mixer in for him to mix on and stuff. So 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 he we got him that and he's like, look, I'm gonna sort of get all this together. Would you mind taking Kevin to a record shop to do some record shopping? And I was like, yeah, sure. So me and Kevin Saunderson went and drove out to Rainer's Lane to my friend John Jules's record shop, which was the Rainer's Lane Record and Disco Centre. I think it was. I mean, this is a good day so far, isn't it? Uh, listen, all of these gigs have, have like, you know, these, these, these are all memorable moments in my life. They're yeah. not just great gigs. These are memorable moments. Yeah. In my life. So, so I've taken Kevin Saunderson to the Record and Disco Centre. So we got there. And so we walk in. Uh, I know John Jules really well. And so um, we walked in and I said to John, I said, John, I want to introduce you to somebody. Um, uh, we've got to get some tunes for him. But uh, uh, this is Kevin Saunderson. And... John Jules just nearly collapsed. You know, he was just like... Because at the time, the stuff that was coming in from Detroit, yeah. all the rhythm is rhythm. Inner City was blowing up. You Inner know. City was some of the, the yeah, well, biggest at, at music the time, of that, he, that time, he, he wasn't it? Yeah, you know, Kevin Saunderson did Rock to the Beat, mm-hmm. uh, which was the other side of it, you know. And, and that was the one that we... It was a Balearic anthem yeah. for us. So we got a whole load of records for him, had a good chat with... You know, we kept, Kevin had a good chat with John, and John was so happy that he came in the shop, blah, blah, blah. So we went back to the launch party, which was in the evening, went back. And to get to the point of this story, it was, wasn't a gig. It was watching Derek May DJ in 1988, where we got back, and he's remixed the song by editing up the song on a reel-to-reel and redone the song. And then he would spin in stuff off a reel-to-reel while he's DJing with turntables. I mean, and that's, then that's he was genius, doing, isn't it? Oh, my God. And then he's doing these things with EQ. Now, DJ's filtering out EQs and doing, getting rid of the bottom end and driving the top end. and Bog standard. He invented that shit. And seeing him do it in 88, it just blew my mind. I was just like... Fucking hell, that's not DJing, that's studio trickery being performed live. Yeah. 
when most other people would have trouble mixing two songs yeah. in and out of each other. There was no sync buttons in yeah. them days. You're pioneering the future of DJing. You are totally pioneering the future of DJing. And this is what he used to do at his club in Detroit. And he would DJ and he'd play craft work, he'd play Depeche Mode, he'd you know, play Transmat stuff. And he just did a DJ set for us, which was... I mean, I remember some of the tunes he was playing. And I was being a proper train spotter, not just for the tunes, but watching him do... Yeah all the trickery that he was performing live while DJing. So for me, that was a, that was a pivotal moment in my life because it was like, oh, my God, this man can DJ, yeah. remix live, yeah. spin stuff off. For, I mean, I think Larry Levan and a few other people used to spin Revoxes when they used to play at Studio 54 yeah. and, you know, you know, Paradise, you know, yeah. and all them, you know, you know. Uh, all the you know the garage and all them places, but he to see somebody do this and then do it live with yeah. one of your songs remixed on the day. That's a moment. I was just like I just was gobsmacked. So to this day, that was one of the moments in my life in my career. Seeing that happen was like I saw the future. Yeah, I saw the future, and it was just amazing. So yeah, so that's my fifth. I mean... You can't really go any higher. Where can you go from there? But you've got an honourable mention. I've got an honourable mention. I've got an honourable mention because this is... And that's taking nothing away from it being thrown in at the end. I take it it was one of the ones where you couldn't budge one of the others because you had to get this in, right? Well, the reason I included this one is because it's it's related to watching Kevin Saunderson... uh, Sorry, watching Derek May, May, DJ, and doing what he did. And so my my honourable mention is actually Massive Attack at Glastonbury in 1997. Now, of course, Massive Attack, what a band, amazing. I've seen them so many times, just, I, I just love them, they're, they're, they're incredible. But the reason I'm going to mention them is not because of the songs, the reason I'm going to mention them is because at that time, after doing Mezzanine, they, did, they worked with Mad Professor, and Mad Professor was doing their sound. So at Glastonbury in 1997, when Massive Attack were playing, and the entire crowd are watching Massive Attack, I was standing by the front of the house, peering through the little tarpaulin, watching Mad Professor do his trickery live. So he's dubbing everything up, freaking it out, making it all go absolutely haywire and out there, putting all these effects. So I, instead of watching Massive Attack, I was just watching Mad Professor. It was like a masterclass in one of the dub geniuses doing their trickery so i was watching him doing stuff on effects units how he's doing and 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 the gig was great but i don't remember too much about the gig i was just more intrigued by what mad professor was doing i mean now you can just go to youtube and see how people do stuff but in them days it was just like well how's that done how's he doing that you know i used to you know quiz adrian sherwood about things and he you know he'd tell me bits and bobs but watching mad professor on the front of house and people thought I was mad. It's like, what, oi, massive attacker over there. What are you doing watching the front of house guy? And he's like, well, this is mad professor. Yeah, you come, know? On, come like, check this shit out. Yeah, watch this. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is amazing. So, uh, and, and, and so that for me was like another one of those moments where I was like, oh, that's how he does it. Oh, that's how you do yeah. that. Right, that's how you get that yeah. sound. Oh, I understand how you can check. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, one of those moments as well. So that is my honourable mention. So and I, and I love that. the mad professor for that. I love that, Jake. I love that, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, you've been such a creative that, you know, them moments from from wanting to stand and watch how it's done, you know, that's the same as being the the young lad asking the DJ what this record is. Where yeah, can I yeah, get, you know, and it, it's yeah. like it's just that constant inquisitive nature to 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 you know better yourself better and grow and, and, yeah, and to, yeah. to gain the knowledge absolutely yeah. and, and 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 this is the thing is you know if you if you, if you go through my list of songs you know a, a list of gigs you know Iggy and the Stooges yeah it is just energy it's yeah. power it's just downright like you know raucousness habit. yeah Kraftwerk the inspiration of electronic music which then led to scream a delica, yeah. which to see that gig and watch all that emotion from seeing all yeah. my friends together was incredible. To then being supporting left field and yeah. watching how that kind of goes, and then the whole electronic side of that with Derek May, then the DJ and how he influenced. Hey, he invented that shit. So yeah. to see that, and then with the pioneers of the dub with Mad Professor, it's it's you can see how. Yeah. It's you know there's a there's a synergy through all of that and Absolutely. there's a kind of you know the, can join the dots quite easily. You can and yeah. that's 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 kind of that's my five with my honourable mention of Massive Attack and Mad Professor. Um, what's happening at the moment, Jags? What are you working on at the moment? Uh, okay, so Arena Mancini, I'm still putting stuff together. We got a launch party for her tonight, so I'm doing. I'm just going to go and hang out and just be at Soho Radio for that. I'm actually in the stage now, I'm just putting a song together for Blitz Vega, which is Cav, who used to be in Happy Mondays, and Andy Rook, who used to be in The Smiths. Wow. So I'm just mixing a song for them, um, which is their new song called L.A. Vampire. Uh, The band's called Blitz Vega, so I'm just doing that, but I'm really excited about, I'm just setting up my new production company, and I've got two bands who are going to fucking destroy the planet. Um, one of them's called Holy Youth Movement, who are... We're just in the process of making Exterminator Part 2 because they love Exterminator yeah. and they want to make Part 2 of that. So great name for a band as well. It's a great name and they are proper... Uh, they're incredible live as well. Serious band. So I'm just doing that and then there's another band called Paradise Club from Portsmouth who I'm just going to go and start spannering their songs as such, yeah. which is go and look at everything and and get that going and so Paradise Club and Holy Youth Movement are the two to watch out for in the future and Arena Mancini who's who I love dearly and is a great friend of mine is a is also on the agenda as well so that's it and if you want to hear more from Irena then then she's um she's on the back catalogue she's in the archives of Off the Beaten Track and she's uh She's got an incredible story as well. You know, when, when you find <laughs> yeah. out who was hanging out in her living room when she was a young kid, that's, there's, there's some amazing stories there. Yeah, she, she <laughs> is the unofficial goddaughter of David Bowie. Yeah. I mean, you can't really... She's rock royalty because yeah. her dad's Warren Peace. So, yeah, plenty of, plenty of stories Absolutely. there as well. Yeah. Jags, thanks so much, mate. Stu- it's always lovely to see you. Likewise, always a pleasure, mate. There you go. See? Knew you'd like it. It's always good when I get to sit with Jags and I, I knew this episode was going to be fascinating. So I hope you've all got as much joy from listening to it as, as I did. So that's that's two live specials now. So um, maybe there'll be some more bonus content um, because any chance I get to sit down with some of my friends uh, for a second time, then I love the press record. So uh, have a lovely week and I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Oh yeah, sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. 
Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whiffin. Eat a podcast.